Hi, everyone. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps, and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot, and here's the show. Avasti scurvy swabs. You're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm a bad dog. And with me, as always, is Daniel Barnes, a film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi, everyone. As Corky said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. We give double dare to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. This morning on the podcast, we'll be reviewing Rennie Harlan's studio-killing 1995 pirate movie, Cutthroat Island, starring Gina Davis and Matthew Modine. So this morning, we're recording it nice and early, so bring a nice, light, low-alcohol beer? Absolutely not. Go big or go home. (laughs) Johnny, you're already home. You can do both. But we have to choose. Go big or go home. And I'm going big. This is Downhill Double IPA. I'm by... going home. See you guys later. All right. Check it out. But <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> check you later. This one is Downhill Double IPA. It is a big West Coast IPA from our friends at Bike Dog Brewing Company. They're based in West Sacramento. They also have a tap room on Broadway in the city of Sacramento. It is 8.6% alcohol by volume. But it does have a nice, very clean, drinkable kind of flavor to it. And as a lot of the IPAs from Bike Dog, it's a good mix of uh, fruit flavors and piney flavors. And it has a real nice balance to it. Yeah, this is big. I'm, I'm feeling big pine. Nice. Yeah. Well, if you like big pine, I don't. that's no segue. That's the meaningless segue, which is the perfect segue. If only the Chris Pine was with us right now. That'd be, if you like big pine... Shout out to Brian Pine. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Brian Pine, for all your uh, wonderful donations. Absolutely. You're a great man. So we were dared this movie from listener Marco Cabote. For more than a decade, it was the biggest bomb of all time. It has a notorious reputation and was hated by critics. Sept Ebert liked it. Yeah. (laughs) Frank Langella and the soundtrack are rad. (laughs) IMDb says, and a lot of people don't know, but IMDb stands for I'm motherfucking Daniel Barnes. Yeah. People don't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. IMDB. I'm motherfucking Daniel Barnes says, a female pirate and her companion race against their rivals to find a hidden island that contains a fabulous treasure. A fabulous treasure. <laughs> and isn't that treasure fabulous looking? They just said adjective noun, adjective <laughs> noun, adjective noun. Which is about how the script was written, it, oh, I think. Oh, absolutely. So, Corky, one of the filmmakers that I reference a lot on the show, probably too, too much, uh, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, the director of RoboCop, Basic Instinct. I think I've mentioned him on literally every episode and many episodes so far. Mm-hmm. Barnes Yard makes a Verhoeven reference. Take a drink. That's a good rule. <laughs> You're going to get drunk by the end of the show. Uh, but what's interesting about today's movie, Cutthroat Island, is how much its tortured backstory revolves around Paul Verhoeven, even though he had absolutely no involvement with the movie. Interesting. It starts back in 1993, as Verhoeven is developing at Columbia a movie called Mistress of the Seas. And in his concept, it is going to be a sexed-up pirate movie. It's actually a biopic of Anne Bonny, a real-life pirate, 
and he wants to make a big budget NC-17 pirate movie. His pirates are gonna fuck. I'm here for this. Uh, that didn't work out so well with Columbia. They kind of <laughs> had different ideas. Star Gina Davis, who mm. was attached to the project, also had different ideas. That eventually fell apart, and Verhoeven did go on to make a big-budget NC-17 movie called Showgirls. Mm. Gina Davis and her husband, Rennie Harland, they decided to jump onto another pirate-based action film because everyone in Hollywood always has the same bad idea at the same time somehow. Right. Uh, this time they worked with the struggling, debt-ridden, basically bankrupt Carol Co. Pictures. Carol Co. decided as they were going to sink all of their eggs into the Cutthroat Island basket. They raised money for it by selling their interest in Showgirls. They then canceled and took a loss on the only other movie they had in production. It was an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle called Crusades to be directed by Paul Verhoeven, who instead went on to make Starship Troopers. So that's two Verhoeven classics lost in Mistress of the Seas and Crusades and two Verhoeven classics gained in Starship Troopers and Showgirls Don't At Me. (laughs) <laughs> we also got Cutthroat Island, the 120 million movie that nobody wanted. The film had a notoriously troubled production. Budget spiraled completely out of control after a long search for a suitable male lead caused costly delays. Instead of a suitable male lead, Matthew Modine was cast, <laughs> and the film was finally released to theaters on December 22nd, 1995. Like I said, the overall budget somewhere around 120 million. It only earned about 10 million at the Jesus. domestic box office. It opened in 11th place, one spot behind Dracula Dead and Loving It, (laughs) where they probably spent $121,000 on. The movie did prove to be the final nail in the coffin of Carol Co., which was so successful in the 80s. The movie currently has scores of 38 on Rotten Tomatoes, 37 on Metacritic. That's way too high. Right. Roger Ebert did give the film three or four stars because he gave almost every film three or four stars. But most critics were more in line with Destin Thompson of the Washington Post, who wrote, quote, It takes a two-hour act of will to keep facing the screen. Every cliffhanger is enough to make you a cliff jumper. Wow. Suicide. Threatening suicide for a movie. quote, yes, this movie made me want to murder myself. (laughs) That was a cry for help from Paul Thompson. Poor Destin Thompson. Destin Thompson. (laughs) Everyone was pronouncing his name wrong. I kept (laughs) calling him Paul for some reason. calls me Paul. (laughs) Why? I have none of those letters in my name. Uh, in doing my research about Cutthroat Island, I came across a few articles from the time that tried to outline the lessons that were to be learned from the failure of Cutthroat Island, which at the time was well, the, the biggest box office loser of all time. So in the mid-90s, you have all these entertainment writers. What can we learn from the failure of Cutthroat Island? The sort of general wisdom, number one, movies set on water, because Waterworld had also bombed earlier the year. Right. They're budgetary boondoggles. They're doomed to failure. Don't make them. Two Even years, Jaws had troubles. Two years later, Titanic is the biggest film in right. box office history. <laughs> Lesson number two. People don't want movies about pirates. Pirates, that's old-fashioned yeah. stuff. Less than a decade later, Pirates of the Caribbean, one of the biggest franchises in box office history. Right. Lesson number three. Cut down on the special effects. Focus on story and characters for once. How'd that work out for the last two decades of Hollywood filmmaking? So, Quirky, this actually begs the question, was Cutthroat Island a blockbuster that was simply ahead of its time, or is it a film that should be forgotten by time? I would hasten to use the metaphor sunken treasure, because there's no treasure to be found. (laughs) This movie is the sunken myth of a treasure. This movie is as if somebody told you about pirate movies. That's I think listening to this podcast is the best way to understand this movie. Yeah. It's like somebody just says, and then there's pirates, Uh and then they're on a ship, and then there's a treasure they got to find, and then then they go after the treasure. They do pirate things. That's exactly what this movie is. And this guy has a peg leg, and this guy has an eye patch, and this guy has a, there's a funny monkey that runs around. 
yeah, this movie is so bad. And it's, it's so one bad. Of those where you're like, it can't be that bad. They don't like, flesh anything out. Bad. It's just pirate set after pirate set after adventure set after adventure set. It's, and you care about nothing. It's complete chaos. I know I use that word a lot. But this movie is completely insane on a visual level. On the script level, nothing works. On the acting level, no one has any sort of appeal or any kind of chemistry. That's the worst part of this movie. And just the whole, like, there's basic concepts of things that just don't even work. I'll give the kind of a prime example of a, a, a way that this movie fails on like a big picture kind of a thing. When the movie opens, as we'll get into it, Gina Davis has to do something to her father yeah. and his dying body yeah. after his murder that is horrifying. Yeah. We don't actually see it, but the implication is horrifying. Is the movie then about getting revenge for her father's murder? No. Never. No. It's about a race for treasure. Yeah. It's about a lighthearted and jaunty race for treasure. It's just, at every moment, I have no idea who this movie is for. Corpses, people vomiting in the street, they go to a torture chamber, there's a scalping. And this is like, at the same time, this seems so immature and so pitched at like elementary school age children. It's just a complete catastrophe. Let's set sail on this son of a bitch. So we, we start right off and we get- Hold on, hold on, I'm going to hoist the flag. <laughs> Avast. Avast. The, uh, our... Set the mizzen. <laughs> So we start off and we get kind of a classic uh, swashbuckling style score um, that is playing over the opening credits where we see all these kind of old-timey maps and stuff like that. And I will say, Marco said in his dare that the score was good. And I will say, it's it's appropriate. Yeah. It does feel like it. At moments. I want to I wanna just blame Rennie Harlan on just pushing the pedal to the metal on the score nonstop. Yes, because, you know, exactly. Because the composer just writes the score. He doesn't decide how it's going to be used. Where it's used. It's a great, it's, or it's a listenable score and it's adv- uh, appropriate, but there are scenes where they're just walking through the jungle and the, the and big it's adventure. And pounding <laughs> with like the choirs and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's completely insane. So we find out the uh, Chiron says we are in Jamaica, Caribbean, 1668. And all the accents are appropriate for the time. Nailed it. Nailed it. Everyone nails the accent. Yeah. <laughs> Why some people are doing accents and some people aren't doing accents, it's complete. Completely psychotic. Gina Davis is not doing any accent. She plays Morgan Adams. She's a pirate. As the movie opens, she's naked and she's getting dressed and she's leaving the bed of her lover. And and this is what we see Morgan as like a very lusty sort mm-hmm. of a woman, right? She's very passionate. The man in bed betrays her, but of course she turns the table and uh, she took the bullets out of his gun and says, I took your balls, which is like sets the stage in so many ways yeah. for awful punchlines for the fact that Morgan always goes for people's balls. <laughs> she is <laughs> so focused on attacking the crotch in this movie. It's insane, as we'll see. This is also where you first see that all dialogue, and I mean literally all dialogue in this movie, is looped. It's all ADR. The dialogue feels forced. No one feels like they're even in the same scene I together. I get that if you're on a pirate ship and it was t- difficult recording that day, there was wind or you're filming a storm scene. They're just but they're just in a in room. A room. <laughs> and it's and Gina Davis could not be more disinterested in her dialogue. <laughs> oh, delivery. absolutely. Yeah, she feels incredibly bored, which is crazy because this was like her attempt to yeah. be launched as an action hero. and. Spoiler alert, she's quite bad at it. And I'm, and I'm not a Gina Davis hater. I like Gina Davis, but this is just such the wrong role for I her. I hated her. She in has this. no authority in any scene. She has no charisma, and it's just, it's complete bonkers. So, so anyway, we get dr- big helicopter shots of the ocean. Big helicopter shots of flying in towards a pirate ship that's out to sail. Yeah. And it's like 
Oh, they're spending money on this. Yeah, they're definitely this spending money. This was just money. to get you to a boat. They're not spending that money wisely no. at all. Because I will say, like, the action sequences are really bad. Yeah. They're really bad. The composition, there's no rhyme or reason to how anything is composed, how any of the shots are edited together. There's no actual driving motivation behind anything that the camera is doing or showing you. It should be to move the story along and no. develop the characters constantly. Instead, it just feels like random series of shots. And why did you compose it like this? I have no idea. The helicopter shots fly into the boat, but at the same time, they cut back to helicopter shots of Gina Davis and her two trusted companions riding horses yeah. through on the beach. And this jumps back and forth. Yeah. And she- there's a lot of slow-mo. Uh, oh, my. The, the, slow, the use of slow-mo in this movie is just awful. I mean, 60- and that's why this movie is two hours long. 60% of this movie is slow motion. It's slow-mo. And spoiler alert, Rennie Harlan is no. Sam Peckinpah the man <laughs> cannot like the slow-mo does nothing for anybody this here is not the all it does bunch. is like take a really bad action scene and make it slower yes uh, but yeah we should say Gina Davis she leapt out of the window and she's racing to this pirate ship to save her father who is being held captive by her uncle who is named dog, dog. dog. and that's Franklin Jella her yeah. father is Harris Eulin who kind of a well-known character actor so when she is racing her horses along this beach, it's beautiful areas, it beautiful looks gorgeous. scenes, uh, settings. She leaps off and does a barrel roll, <laughs> jumps up and kicks a man who's just standing there, kicks him in the face. And this is all in slow-mo. Yes. But they, but they also are doing in slow-mo. There's also the sound when she kicks a man in the face of wha-bam. <laughs> she's, she's barefoot kicking a man from sand and you yeah. hear like a thud, like a hammer driving nails. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they had a sledgehammer and watermelons <laughs> or something. I'm just like. Then she jumps in a rowboat and rows her ass out to this Okay. Yeah, and it is sunset yes. when she's rowing the boat out, but it cuts to the boat where Franklin Jella has made Harris Eulen walk the plank, and it is pitch black at night, and it cuts back between the two scenes like they're happening at the same time. Apparently, this took a week because there's several sunups and sundowns in this one sequence like, of scenes. That's just $120 million, yeah. and no one was like, oh, hey. It's sunset and then it's night, it's and you can't black. you can't cut back between those because they're <laughs> happening in the same place at the same time. Uh, so oh fuck! She rows out to the boat, which is called the Reaper. That's her uncle Dog's boat, and yep. he's got his brother Harris Black Harry. Yeah, walking the plank. So we got pirate cliches and Dog is looking for some kind of a, a map, yeah, right. and Harris points to his head and he says, "I have it all in here." So he's like, "I'm not going to let you have the gold or or for Cutthroat Island. This is what they want. It's a map to Cutthroat Island." So this is the MacGuffin of the thing. It's yeah. this map that they're trying to put together. Map, so yeah, map guffin. Map guffin. <laughs> so he leaps into the water. He's got an ankle around his leg. So he goes down to the bottom. Uh, Morgan also dives into the water. She goes down. She cuts the rope around the ankle, and she drags him into a nearby cove. Before that, he's insisting, because she catches him before he goes into the water, and he says, let me go, let me go, let me go. Yeah. And while she's holding him there, they shoot him. So he's going to die regardless. Right. But even before that, he's like, no, let me go. I'm going to die here. Yeah. Movie over. If that guy man dies, end of movie. He's got the end map. of movie. I know. <laughs> he's ready to die. What the fuck? But then she swims down. Yeah. Somehow they end up two miles away from the boat, yeah, which you can still see in the distance. They're just in a nearby cove. It doesn't. Ex- sh- uh, yeah. It- time and space are meaningless. And in this he universe. says, "For once in your life, listen to your father and cut my hair." Yeah. And then we cut away. Ask to shave his head. So the father says, uh, "Find your uncle Mordecai." And he also wills his ship, which is the Morning Star, and the ship's crew to Morgan, who is sort of like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he insists that she do it. 
So now we cut away to, and I know you love this, because yes. it's Dandy Fops doing a Dandy Fop dance. I got my powdered wig lettery <laughs> going on. has lace wrist, <laughs> lace collars, they're, and powdered wigs, and they're doing a little foppish they're dance. They're doing the dance where they're touching hands, <laughs> touch, barely, but they're facing different directions. Moving in a slow circle. <laughs> like, There's what? 20 of them out on the floor at the same time doing the same dance, and I'm jerking <laughs> off, because I you love this love shit. You love that shit. I'm like Evelyn Quince. <laughs> Tales of ribaldry. <laughs> so uh, in here we meet a couple of soldiers. One is sort of the the head soldier, I guess. There's I, I don't know exactly who they are, but his they're just is, soldiers. His name the, is Ainsley. He's Ainsley, and then Trotter is his kind of goofy assistant. And Ains- that's supposed to be a joke that his name is Trotter because yeah. that means shitting. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I have the trots. Right. Yep. Yep. Classic. Yep. Classic stuff. That's that Rennie Harlan shit. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. This is the level of comedy in this movie is uh, Ainsley wants Trotter to go dance with this rich woman, but she's ugly. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but she's quite homely. And that's, again, that's humor in this movie. Mm, it's an right. ugly woman. Of course, she's like cartoonishly ugly. Right. But then some other dandy comes in, and this is Matthew Modine, but he has a very long dandyish wig on, and he starts dancing with her and flirting with her and essentially humping her on the dance floor. And he manages to steal her diamond hair clip. It's straight up 17th century Lombada on the dance floor right there. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of a chase. Uh, we find out he says his name is Shaw. Do- Dr. Willie Shaw. Yeah, well, he says Dr. Shaw, but they call me Willie. <laughs> the, that- and it's like, that's the cut because... Every punchline and every comedy take is like turned up to 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just Rennie Harlan being like, make it funnier. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> your, your Rennie is great. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. All the dialogue is so looped. It, Matthew Modine, if Gina Davis sounds disinterested, Matthew Modine, I don't think understood the words he was saying. They don't match the as he's acting on the dance floor. And this is another thing. This is the first of many scenes where you see that there's supposed to be sexual tension mm-hmm. and where there is none because it's all oh double entendres. God. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, hey, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Even me with my powdered wig lechery. Yeah. So but, there's a, a little bit of a slapstick chase, but he gets captured by the soldiers. Oh, because he's robbing her the whole time. He's robbing all these, all these women discover they've been robbed. They all discovered at the same at the time. the exact same time. <laughs> but he gets captured by the soldiers and thrown in jail. Now we go back to Gina Davis, who is getting drunk and is doing like this movie is so cartoonish. She does the drug thing where she finishes the bottle and then looks in the bottle to see if there's any more in there. Like, fuck, this is so fucking cartoonish. Like every drunk does. But like, how is that a movie that adults would want to watch? You know I what I mean? Know. Like, yeah. it's just the fucking disconnect of this awful awful movie and again there's a monkey now there's a monkey because oh yeah i forgot there's a, a comedic slapstick monkey who will do also does comedy takes king too. charles king charles the monkey so she goes up to confront the crew and there's uh, scully is ready to take over the ship because uh, the father has died but she says that she's going to do it and she's going to lead them to cutthroat island and she shows them that she has a map and it is on a scalp that she cut off of her dead father's head. She, was, She's just carrying a piece of her father's skin, which she overcut, too. Yeah. She <laughs> way over, because there is a lot of room in the margins of that map. I'm like, how deep did, like, you didn't need to go to the chin. Like, just the map part would have done. There's, like, a piece of his face hanging <laughs> off the just, bottom of it. There's a nose in the corner. Well, this part I just, I kept for me. I just, yeah. I was Don't like pay this, attention to this part. I was like to zero low. But you know it's his scalp because as soon as she holds up the map to everybody, one guy just goes, that's his scalp. <laughs> I know that scalp <laughs> <Yeah>. anywhere. 
So they, they, and again, the implication, like we don't see it, but the implication that she watched her father get murdered right. by his brother, yeah, dragged his body out, and as he was dying, he told her to sh- shave his head and then cut off of his scalp and then carry the piece back to her. And again, this movie does not become about getting revenge for her father's death. It becomes about we need to beat Dog to the treasure. Now we're back at Port Royal, Jamaica, and... Gina Davis, who's Morgan Adams, and her companions. They just decide to go to Port Royal because they're like, well, somebody there will know how to speak Latin. And then somehow they just find that is, a man who has been imprisoned as an imposter and is waiting like slave auction. I like it. I just like thinking on a slave auction that they're like, yeah, this is a slave, uh, good worker, healthy. They speak <laughs> Latin. <laughs> Latin. <laughs> so... They go oh, into, I don't need one who speaks Latin. I just want to go. <laughs> no, just for the fields. Does Latin's, speak- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they go into, this is, again, the crazy tones of this movie. It is all so goofy and so yeah. silly, and their banter is so silly. She's dressed as a society woman with a parasol and has a monkey on top of her head. And they wander right into a straight-up torture chamber. There are, like, corpses hanging from cages <laughs> in this place. Some dude recognized her from one of those block etches from a 17th century block etching. <laughs> She's like, oh, these, these dark yes. lines concentered. That looks like her. <laughs> uh, and this is the first scene with Modine and Davis. If you mm. thought that their uh, individual lack of chemistry, their their individual lack of screen presence would somehow change and their chemistry would come. No, absolutely not. This is not. like... Antoine Lavoisier meets Madame Curie levels of chemistry. Two dead fish laying in the same bucket. This is a hydrogen bomb (laughs) fucking an A-bomb on screen. They are both so dull. They're both so boring. And they both seem so weak. Like It it tries to create a semi-realistic pirate atmosphere, like I said, with all the torture chambers and people vomiting in the streets and stuff like that. They both look like they would get eaten alive in five seconds. She has no authority. She has no presence. No. Her physicality in, in any scene, it just seems very weak. She she's, comes off as weak, and so does he. She's no range in this movie. And None. every every scene between them, it should have been like, I'm saying my lines now, your turn. Yeah. That's exactly how the dialogue goes with them. So Shaw, this is Matthew Modine, is being put up for auction, for slave auction. Yeah. And Morgan decides that she's going to try to bid on him. Uh, As she's doing this, somebody else starts bidding, and she gets uh, discovered in the crowd when she kind of causes a little scene, because, of course, she goes right for the guy's nards, so she's going to cut off his balls, and so he runs away, but uh, everyone starts chasing them. Uh, She she frees Matthew Modine uh, just before he's about to be killed, and then this starts a very long action sequence that looked really bad and was insanely cluttered, um, but it just goes on forever. It's completely chaotic. I guess, uh, from what I understand, they built this town just for this. Right. And it looks good. Yeah. Where they're set looks good. Yeah. What they do with it does not look good. No. And then there's just this action scene all throughout. They Various horse-drawn carriage races, yeah. scaffolding, climbing, jumps. They jump, the, and again, <laughs> all the action makes no sense in this movie because anything that would be daring or there's there's stakes in it is eliminated by them 
just living through it. They jump through scaffolding like yeah. 70 feet. They basically, for no reason, decide to climb up eight stories. Yeah. And then they're like, now jump down eight right. stories. And they just fall straight through all of like a cartoon and they just get to the bottom. Every and they're 10 fine. feet, they're breaking through wood scaffolding <laughs> and then they get up and walk away. And the entire time, Matthew Modine is quipping just the lamest quips ever. There's one where he, they run up to the roof and he yells, I'm in favor of exercise, but you owe me an explanation. Yeah. That doesn't, again, that's just, like you said, it's just put a noun and a verb and, and we're done. That's you delivered it with so much more emergency <laughs> and urgency than he does. Yeah, absolutely. And he was up on top of a giant roof. One thing I loved was even back then, you couldn't have it, uh, an action scene without a fruit stand because there's even like a fruit cart. And somebody falls in. Yeah. And somebody cartoonishly falls in mud in slow motion. They go down and they steal Ainsley's coach. Right. And she grabs the reins and they're kind of, uh, they, that, this starts another big chase. Um, there's a funeral procession that, that rides by. This is gross. It is. There's they have like what looks like some sort of a a, a pontiff or something, and and they're carrying his body, and the the chase kind of goes right through the procession, and there is a close up of like his grimy his corpse rotting. skull, yeah. hitting the ground and smashing into pieces. Yeah, it's like that's not funny. <laughs> like the, what is? I don't even know what the point of any of that was. There's also this, uh, which would have been a cool scene where the carriage goes under like this portico sheet. Yeah. She hops up out of it, runs through the, the building above, and then runs back into the coach. And it's a really nicely constructed, it, this could be done really well, right? right. But again, and, the time and space of it is bonkers. And the editing, it doesn't work. It doesn't work And then at all. as soon as she does, she's done. She delivers a line like this. I must visit that shop again when I have time. <laughs> but what's crazy about that scene, so she's riding on top of the coach. She's fighting people. as It's like a stagecoach chase in a Western. Uh, she's fighting. They kind of come to a bridge where there's a window. She's not going to make it under, so she leaps above, and it shows her kind of stumbling through the room, like crashing into things and knocking over mannequins and just wrecking the place and she's basically moving at about like a, a shuffling walk yeah. like a very slow walk the coach is riding at full speed <laughs> that's right yeah she that's somehow right. beats the coach to the next <laughs> side of the room and is there before the coach gets there yeah rolls out of the window onto the coach yeah like that wasn't her who did the barrel roll into it that was just her riding away they yeah edited that yeah. right okay i was gonna say fucking good on you genius if you could do that but no 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 okay the, you can see them covering up the stunt people a lot with her long mane of hair any any kind of action scene where her hair is covering her face that's not genius. until the end when they didn't give a shit about covering up the stunt people (laughs) then they're just like all right that's ted langella (laughs) so the the gendarmes who are out on this boat who see uh from from several miles away see that that this must be morgan adams riding on a on the coach oh absolutely identify her they just open fucking fire on this city yeah they're like, no, we're going to take out this whole city to try to get this one Yeah, person. so they're shooting cannons as they're riding the stagecoach trying to get away, just blowing everything up. And there's a lot of explosions in this movie. And again, you can just feel them being like, shit, ugh, this isn't working. What if we put in more explosions or something? <laughs> we built the set. We got to destroy it. And in this, also in this universe, apparently like piles of gunpowder and explosives <laughs> are laying everywhere because anytime anything gets shot, it explodes into a million fucking pieces. It's like that tri- shot in Triple X where he rides a motorcycle over a barn and the barn just explodes just because he rode a motorcycle over it. <laughs> 
And they're just quipping the entire time that all of this stuff is happening. What was kind of interesting, another thing that people were talking about uh, at the time when this came out, everyone was blaming, including Matthew Modine, and I think Gina Davis too, were like, oh, Rennie Harlan and his explosions. He just put in too many explosions. There were just too many explosions. It's like, if there were two explosions in this movie instead of 200, would this movie be any better? No, yeah. The fundamental problems with this movie were there before a single frame of film was shot. And I would even venture to say the problems with this movie are nothing to do with the action sequences or the explosions. It's what's put in and forced in and not developed in and, and around that. And the fact that. that you never care Not at a goddamn. And again, if Gina Davis is like, I want to kill dog. Because he did this horrible thing to my father and did a horrible thing to me too. You might be on her side. It's you never might mentioned. be like, no. She just gives a shit about money. And you, when you say quipping all this time, that like implies there's some wit. I guess or I some should just say p- people are saying words. Yes. It does not matter <laughs> what the words are. That are then recorded later and <laughs> put over that do not match. <laughs> all right. So now. They determined that that was Morgan Adams, and they say, now there's a 200-pound bounty on her head. For that, we have destroyed the city. They get away scot-free, of course. Yeah. Uh, they start riding away in this coach, at which point they have this insanely bad rear projection oh. scene, which how in the fuck can you spend $120 million on a movie? This is 1995 money. Yes. And have that clunky of a rear projection scene in a in a stagecoach it's like something out of the 1930s it's like airplane when they did that scene where they're driving along the coast and then they have indians chasing them behind on the on horseback it's amazing how bad things look in this movie Maury Chaikin is is with Morgan Adams' crew. He's like William Dampier, kind of chronicler of pirate adventures. Yeah, he's a writer yeah. who's who's with Morgan. It's funny because when they first get to the port where they're going to go see Matthew Modine, I totally forgot about this. He just walks off. He's like, I'm going to go yeah, do something. I, he leaves. I wrote, why is Maury Chaikin in this movie? Yeah. Eventually, after the chase, Ainsley and Trotter uh, are able to find him. And then he's just suddenly back on the ship somehow. That, yeah, exactly. Which they, <laughs> We find out why he's in the movie. Like, and it, People are just wherever you need them to be. So she sees a prostitute and decides she's going to get to her uncle Mordecai by posing as a prostitute, mm-hmm. which is, what? God. But when she goes up to this prostitute and wants her clothes, essentially, she wants to pose as her, she goes up to the prostitute and says, how much? And the prostitute, because again, everyone has to have a massive comic take, goes, what <laughs> a woman crooks her head bugs her eyes out gapes her mouth like as if some 17th, 17th century whore isn't just gonna be like money yeah whatever yes. what the, what the money, fuck do you want to do to money me? great put anything in me you're, put anything on me you're not offering me smallpox <laughs> great awesome i'm into it <laughs> which is why couldn't she just go hey uh his niece is here to see him and he's like yeah come on in right. it's my it's my family that would also be one way to go people are so fucking illogical <laughs> in this movie and it, it gets crazier from here corgi so she goes up to see her uncle mordecai um who instantly sees right through her and i don't know the name of this actor but apparently it was originally supposed to be oliver reed like he was cast and brought onto the film but in classic Oliver Reed fashion, got crazy drunk and made an ass of himself <laughs> what and do got, I, got I, fired from the film. I don't know that name. What do you I don't mean? know Oliver Reed. He's a, a British actor from the mainly from the 70s. He was in Tommy, and he did a lot of stuff. He was always just the the heavy. Okay. He was always disheveled. He was always drunk. I've uh, seen him. 
Gladiator was his last movie. He died on the set of I Gladiator. I know exactly who the fuck had, you're yeah. talking about. So what they did is they got a guy who looked exactly like Oliver Reed <laughs> and said, act like Oliver Reed. <laughs> so that's what we get here is just some Oliver Reed impersonator. Suddenly a chain is around her neck. And this is Dog's like kind of second man. Yeah. He always has a chain. That's his thing is he has a chain. So he yanks her by the neck, drags her over the balcony, and we get the most fake looking overhead falling shot oh, you have no. ever fucking seen. The scene. second most fake over because it, because the it one comes at the back end. later. Yeah, the oh, one at the end. It, there's a callback, but yeah, it's that horrible like mid '90s special effects where everyone has like an orange glow around their body. <laughs> it's like somehow you have, like your aura shows up in CGI, or and something. they just make the background get bigger. <laughs> While someone waves their arms, so it looks <laughs> like waving at the arms. Oh God. If you could see the motion I just did that made Dan laugh, you would know. <laughs> so, of course, uh, Dog comes in. Um, he threatens Morgan with an eel that yeah. has sharp razor-like teeth. And I, I got to tell you, they they should have got a different eel guy because that eel. <laughs> Did not look. It was the not way a Henson they, level. The way they shot it in like oblique close-ups was like, yeah, you did not build a holy eel, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you? You were like 120 million. That that'll buy you like a half an eel. Oh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, this starts a big uh, sword fight, of course, with yeah. a lot of quipping and a lot of silliness and a lot of really bad staging. Uh, Frank Langella is growling and growling. Um, and this is where it's heavily reinforced that Gina Davis's action s- style is editing. That's, yes, that's that's what saves her to be. It's, you can it, see her do like two awkward moves without it cutting, and, and then it a, cuts to somebody getting run through with a sword. Uh-huh. It actually doesn't even cut to that. They don't show that. They just show somebody falling. Yeah, and then exactly. it cuts back to her. It's it's cut foo. The is way what she they're does. cutting around her inability to look credible in any kind of action scene is it's glaring. Yeah, it's glaring. And and growling is great when you said that for Frank Langella. That's what his whole persona is. I speak. With I'm an rest. angry dog. Yes. Ah. Yeah, that's his whole thing. And I mean, he's fine. At it, it's it's Frank Langella, you know. Yeah, he, he's he's great. He's a wonderful actor, and and he does okay with this. But at the same time, he's given one thing to do. Yeah. So Gina Davis gets shot in the stomach in this scene. Somebody yes. fires one of these cutlass. Is that a no, that's a that's a that sword, right? Yeah. What were the old guns? Called? Oh fuck, I don't know. Musket. Musket. Is it a musket? It, it's a little one. It was though. a hand musket. It's a hand musket. <laughs> <laughs> a mini musket. <laughs> The NRA of the 16th or 17th century would have said this was safe for you. Um, somebody fires one of these into her stomach, and much like Juan Diego, whoever from Exposed, uh-huh. she, getting shot in the stomach phases her That's none. Nothing. She just goes, ugh. Oof, and let me, let me continue fighting and moving around yeah, like it, nothing's bothering me. Um, it comes down to the barrel with the eels gets broken. It gets blown up because everything's blowing up yes. all of a sudden. The, the gunpowder slash eel barrel. Yeah. Mordecai sees this and he runs to the wreckage of the barrel and he pulls out a tiny little piece of the barrel and kind of hides it with him. Uh, Shaw, Matthew Adine, sees this and grabs the piece. Ah. And uh, Gina Davis kind of takes off after him. So he has uh, what apparently is the second piece of the map. But yeah, because in this movie, everybody knows everything just by watching something happen. And this scene ends, as I alluded to, a lot of scenes ending with just explosions everywhere. People have rocket launchers somehow. Like, people are just firing. This is the crazy thing about this movie. People have rocket launchers. Later on, you see somebody has a five-barreled gun. <laughs> Her five-barreled, sword breaks into three parts and shit. I'm a like, five-barreled musket. Yeah, like, 
they have like cartoon guns. Like what the fuck? One of Malcolm in the Middle's brothers in this movie for some reason, and he does nothing the entire. But they always cut to him looking pensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so hilarious. Somehow, she escapes the jaws of death with a gunshot to her stomach and is now back on the ship. We're well, all- first she sees a palm reader sign that has numbers oh, on it. Oh, that's right. And looking at numbers, apparently she realizes that the Latin writing that was on the map that he translated, it, it is for numbers and the number is the latitude. Yeah. Which she just figures this out literally by looking at numbers. Look, looking at numbers. Which then cuts to Matthew, her going like, I figured it out. And Matthew Modine looks at the sign and he's like, he, it's five seconds of him looking at numbers. <laughs> it's like, you know. But yeah, they get back on the ship. Uh, Langella murders his own men. Like, that's kind of his thing. Because we need to know he's we need, mean. Yeah, he's evil, right? Um, but yeah, we do find that the second part of the map is on the barrel. The writer has just showed up again, the gun who was captured by uh, Ainsley and Trotter. He's just there now. Yeah. And um, she, when she goes to her map in her pirates, in her captain's quarters, she, all she, it's so funny. She takes a ruler and takes a pencil and draws on a map one line and goes, that's where it is. <laughs> there it is. Because this was the. Now that's good pirating. This is the computers of the 1990s. Old school maps could do anything. Pirates with maps figure out anything. So she, again, she was shot. She has a, a little uh, ball, one of those little yeah. kind of balls that are in her. They're going to burn it out because that's the way they do it. But when they find out that she has that, she's giving a speech to her man and then she faints. We get this helicopter shot flying over just to show them carrying her away from where she fainted. That whole day Money was well spent, spent. Yeah, on her, them well carrying spent. her. So they take her down. They're about to burn out her, her wound with a hot iron, but Matthew Bodine comes in and says we need to do a, a little more delicate He's touch. a doctor. He's a doctor, and his name's Willie Shaw. So here's the thing. When we first met him, he was a cat burglar yep. who seemed to be posing as, a, as Dr. Willie Shaw. He's a con artist. It turns out his cover is Dr. Willie Shaw. His He is also Dr. Willie Shaw. And even though he's a thief, does that mean he's not really a doctor? No, he's a doctor. <laughs> he's, he's a fucking doctor. He's the one confidence man cat burglar who gives his real name his and profession. is himself. <laughs> And it has nothing to do with his cons. But so he performs his surgery with his fingers. <laughs> he does. He, get, he gets the ball out. Gina Davis At which in point, scene, she gets horny as fuck. Yeah, because he's digging his fingers into her Into wound. her open wound. That's the sex scene you get in this movie. <laughs> and she's just like, I'm into this now. But hold on. Gina Davis in this scene, you would not know that she has a bullet in her stomach. She <laughs> delivers her lines as if she's just got like mild cramp or yeah. something like that. You know, like, hmm. When she's, <sighs> she, has, she has a bottle, yeah, and he'll, he'll make things. She'll go, oh, hmm. And then take a swig of her bottle as though it's like mildly annoying. This starts a whole flirtation between them. And, you know, she's talking about how you have the map. You have that second part of the map. And if you shared it with me, his explanation for everything that he does, which learning what we just did, that he's a real doctor and yeah. does actually know Latin. His explanation for his backstory is, quote, I was born poor. My only choice was to become a thief and a liar and a doctor <laughs> And a Latin teacher <laughs> and a cat. Like, what is his character? His yeah. character is all concept. It's just a thousand concepts it, fighting each other. Whatever the dialogue was supposed to be for that scene. <laughs> whatever, yeah. Because it was not, his back is to the game. But I finally found not. a kiss that had less passion than Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele. <laughs> finally. But basically right now, the Reaper 
is pursuing the morning star, right? That's kind of what's got there's it's just it's all a chase. It's all a chase. And it's as Frank Langella is expositing his plan, we cut on him and his mate talking. We cut away from the boat. The, the dialogue is still going, but now we're just watching the ship sail away. <laughs> we cut back to like an overhead shot, then we cut back to them. And this is just one block of dialogue, but they're like, no, nah, let me let, let's sit six shots into this. As he's, as he's delivering these lines of dialogue. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's completely nuts. We see the writer, that's Maury Chaikin, who is aboard the ship. He's writes a note and just sticks it on like a dove. Yeah. And while crying, like throws it out the window. <laughs> and then there's a very fake looking special effects shot of a dove flying away from their ship. Oh, no, that's a stunt dove. That's a, so really? That's a well-trained Damn. dove. The dove. That dove got an award for that. So they're basically racing to Cutthroat Island, right? They're they're kind of heading in that direction where they think it should be. They don't have the exact because they don't have the second. Uh, Matthew Modine still has the second part. Or do they have the second part? Well, before yeah, before the dove is released, because that's when Maury Chaikin sneaks in to copy down. Oh, right. Matthew Modine takes the barrel part of the map and figures out that's the longitude. Right, right, right. And traces it. Gets caught doing He gets that. caught by Gina Davis, and yeah. she seems stunned. Yeah. To find out that the con man who has always lied about everything is was lying and conning her yeah. to get this information. Because he's because he also was telling the truth, which is fucking insane. It's such a mind fuck. Jesus. They so, take him down below and put him in, uh, tie him up. They just they're heading towards Cutthroat Island and they're driving through this pounding storm. And there's obviously a set, and they're just throwing water all over him and everybody. But yeah, there's this pounding storm. This pounding storm. The crew decides to mutiny. But in the middle of the storm, mind you. Gina Davis, shorten sail all you want, Mr. Blair. Raises arm, points finger, sail through it. Walks off. Acting. Intense. This is acting. Her lack of authority is is really pronounced. Yeah, mutiny. The crew decides to mutiny, led by Scully, who was the guy who was originally going to take over before Gina Davis produced her father's scalp, which made everyone lo- believe in her for some reason. Buffalo Bill shit right there. Um, <laughs> but the crew sets Gina Davis and her men adrift in a longboat. Right. The storm is still happening, by the way, right? And they decide they're doing this because they say, quote, we're not going to die in this storm, <laughs> which somehow... Throwing half of your crew off of the boat is going to help you navigate the storm that you're in right now. You're yeah. in the storm as like, this is not helping you in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. But somehow the boat just sails right through it with half of the crew thrown off. Gina Davis, their boat gets smashed on the rocks and they wake up and they're all kind of floating around on the wreckage. And they look up and they see, oh wow, convenient. There's Cutthroat Island right there. <laughs> this is right there. You have a shot of like these 12 pirates adrift in the water and then one of them just turns around around and goes, oh, hey, there's the island. They're right next to it. Because he doesn't turn around. When you tell him the back shot, he's facing it the entire time. And he just was like, look like what the fuck were you looking at before the the cameraman was the last one oh hey there's an island right back there. oh shit did i miss that he did i get the island in the shot but yeah it's cutthroat island so they're just there and she says uh there's no sign of shop yeah because you fucking keel hauled them in the middle of a storm But then again, everything in this movie is just, they see, she looks through a cutlass. I keep saying cutlass. She looks through an eyeglass, a (laughs) spyglass. 
and sees Shaw. He, and he's been captured by Dog and his pirates and who are now in Cahoots with the Morningstar. With, yes. They're both there. The Reaper and the Morningstar are both there in the bay together. And Dog decides we're going to go make camp. So then we're at a pirate camp. Yep. Matthew Modine somehow is just free now. And he just sneaks in there and rips the piece of the map, the third piece of the map that Dog is carrying around, which Dog has the piece of the map that shows where the actual treasure is. I completely is. missed all that. Yeah, he has the part that his third piece is where the treasure is. The other two just kind of map out where the island is. Right. There's big adventures music as they're just walking through the jungle. They're just bored they're just, walking. Yeah, wandering through the jungle very slowly. Dog, <laughs> Dog knows that Morgan is there because he says, Morgan, I can smell you. Which is very Migs from Sounds of the Lambs, <laughs> and he hits on his niece. I'm I'm telling I'm saying at the end of the movie he tries to get with his niece. Yeah, it's fucked up. While they're wandering through the jungle, they find Matthew Modine's character Shaw. He's in quicksand. A quicksand scene. Yep. Like there's a goddamn quicksand but scene. But there's no dread. There's no tempo. Nobody gives a Everyone's damn. Everyone's just joking and being goofy. Yeah. So uh, they're about to let him sink. He gives up the map, and at the last second, they pull him out, and everything's fine. They figure out that the map, and then when you see them put the pe- pieces of the map together, <laughs> you could have gleaned where the location is with two of these pieces. Probably could have figured Maybe that out. Maybe one. <laughs> if you have three pieces of map, but this concentric point of the map is the X where they meet, all you know is that the big point at the corner of one of them, that's where the map is. I bet is. that's, that's where, where it is. is. I yeah. bet that's it, yeah. But they figure it's in a cave on the map. It says, down the throat to the belly of gold. So they go into a cave... And- the cave of good lighting. The cave of good lighting, yes. And there's this beautifully lit treasure that looks incredibly fake that is just sort of sitting in the middle of this pool of water. Which you can see the lights reflected in. The lights of <laughs> with the lit up for the shot. They're reflected in that water. It's so funny. But yeah, they're both like overjoyed at the sight of gold. And this is the movie, like if you believe the the framing and the score, this is like a heroic moment for yeah. them is just finding a lot of treasure after carrying her father's scalp around. no fucking shit no about No caring this. at all. So they just start to bring up the treasure. She gets captured uh, by dogsmen while, while she's bringing up the treasure. And this... This is where like some of the staging is just completely bonkers because she comes up on top of the mountain. They're, they're kind of bringing it up over a rope one at a time from this cave that's in the side of the mountain. She goes up. First of all, she just sees the chain yeah. that dog's man, her dog's second has. The chain dangles in front of her. She goes, oh my God, looks up. He's like 20 <laughs> feet up in a tree. He's just in a tree. And he's like... He's like, oh, we got you now. And then suddenly, all of Dog's men are right behind her. There's 50 men right behind her. So their plan was like, okay, here's what you're going to do. When they come up, (laughs) get up in that tree. (laughs) But then just like tangle your chain around so she just sees the chain. We'll all sneak up behind her. Like, that's wicked. We're going to be there. What stupid plan is that? We're like, we're all about as stupid as the plan of Morgan and her men. Be like, all right, we found the treasure. Let's all split up. Let's reduce our (laughs) numbers. Exactly. Or they toss Morgan off the cliff. Well, Dog tosses her off the cliff to kill her. They, he, he has Morgan captive. Shaw is on the rope with the treasure. He threatens to cut the treasure. And so there's sort of this moment of like, how do we do the leverage? And Dog, for some reason, decides, I'm going to throw Gina Davis off the cliff. And he just throws her off yeah, the I'm cliff. Yeah, I'm going to kill her. It, and Modine reaches out and grabs her and is able to hold on to her, right? right. So they're both dangling over the cliff right now. Uh, Dog says, now we've got them both. Which was true before you threw her off a cliff. 
Like <laughs> his just whole in thing different is locations. It's like if you wanted her captive, like you had her. <laughs> but now he's like, oh, now we've got them both, and we'll get the treasure too. Uh, they he also like, he also says in the movie calls itself out on some yes. bullshit. He also says they talk a lot, don't <laughs> yes. they? It's like, They're all figuring out a plan while he's waiting to pull them up, and he's like, they have a lot to say to each other, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, as the movie's shown us, each time there's an action scene, they're just talking to each other throughout the whole action scene. <laughs> so they let go of the rope and decide to plunge into the ocean and sort of leave the treasure for dog, but but live another day. Uh, Matthew Modine suddenly wakes up. Uh, washed up on the beach next to the water and right where the writer is. Exactly. Everybody's just where they need to be. The writer is like, oh, Morgan sent me. Like, come with me. I'll, I'll take you back to her. He takes him back and there on the beach is Dogsmen and all of the soldiers with Ainsley yep. on the beach with their guns drawn. So again, here's the plan. Morgan, <laughs> Morgan and Shaw are on the loose. Let's send the fat writer <laughs> to get them. Trick them into coming back here where we're all we'll all be on the beach with our guns. <laughs> Alternate idea, send the guys with the guns. Why send are you all sending all of us to flush them out? Why are you sending the fat rider to trick And Matthew McConaughey or Matthew McConaughey. Matthew Modine is such a good con man, he can't sniff out this this rider is lying to out, him. I know. <laughs> So, yeah, so we find out that the soldiers and dog are now in league with each other. They all take off on the ship. Morgan just shows up on the ship. I think she swam. She swam somehow. She, she swam somehow and on caught up with the ship. Somehow. Yeah. So she's just now on the ship. She takes over the ship. She dumps all the mutineers and the soldiers at sea. She reunites with her monkey. This King Charles lives. <laughs> and her and all of her men are uh, pre- uh, preparing to chase down Dog's ship, the Reaper, which yep. also Ainsley is on that ship as and well. And all of Morgan's men are now going to dress like the British soldiers that they've captured yeah. to, to trick them. Somehow Dog knows that this is a ruse. Just somehow. Yeah. He knows that this is a ruse. Yeah. He, pe- he tells his men to powder guns, but softly... And ask the governor, let me hang Matthew Modine by the yard arm. Right. Somehow, just like Dog somehow knew that the <laughs> other ship was a ruse, she knows that that's a yeah. ruse just to get them to blow their cover. Absolutely. Which they do. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Which they do. The ships pull up alongside of each other, and we start the classic pirate battle of... Ships firing cannons at each other from literally like five feet away. I forgot to say, when Gina Davis, before she realizes that it's a ruse, that they're not really going to hang, she's ready to like snipe and shoot so he doesn't hang, I guess. She wipes her furrowed, sweaty brow, and it's just a completely dry brow. It's just like, (laughs) let me do this, like the looking in the bottle drunk thing. I'm so stressed. Let me wipe my brow. There's no sweat on her brow at all. I've seen humans do this before. I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to imitate this motion to kind of fit in amongst them. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, we have this big explosion fight. Everyone's swinging on ropes between the ships. They're all firing cannons at each other. And every time it hits, it hits a pile of gunpowder because that just, that explodes. They're blowing things up right and left. You would think, now I'm I'm no historian. I'm, I'm certainly no scientist or anything. You would think dozens of explosions on a wooden ship. Sure would cause damage to those ships. You would be wrong. You would be wrong. Raging fires can do no damage to a wooden ship. Everything blows up. Everything is flammable on these boats, except for wood. (laughs) Next scene, it's just there again. (laughs) If there's like a banana sitting there, it'll blow up. (laughs) Wood? 
wood? No. I wanted fruit stands on these pirate ships <laughs> oh, just, like, just to blow Chunks up. of watermelon everywhere. So, but Matt, yeah, there are so many explosions that are happening all over the place. The boats are right next to each other. Yeah. No damage. Matthew done. Modine is still up on the yard arm where he was about to be hung. Somehow he cuts a rope because ropes on ships are just there for swinging. <laughs> He's just swinging That's, all over the they place. They do nothing but help you swing. And he swings from one mizzen mast or yard arm to the other. Uh, and right in the middle of this uh, raging uh, sword fight, uh, Morgan's second, her second in command, they have time to kind of stop and have a little uh, you know, I know, right? state of the sword fight discussion <laughs> where he says, they are so many. We are so few. It's like, well, maybe get to work, dude. Like, <laughs> yes. is now you got time to lean. You got time to stab people. <laughs> there's lots of PG-13 bloodless violence, which means there's like sword fighting, and then it cuts away, and one person's just falling yeah. uh, down. Everyone, everyone is shooting. Everyone is missing. Yep. No one hits anyone with a bullet. And this is all interspersed with shots of Malcolm in the Middle's brother just wandering around the, the fight. <laughs> yeah, and Gina Davis is so awkward here. Her stunt... Her, it's just, because like, it's that classic, I'm going to get you sucker kind of thing, because looking at her... In her shots, where you can tell that it's her, it's so awkward and so graceless. And then when it's the stunt person, it's backflips. She does all these crazily graceful, Carrying, <laughs> beautifully graceful gymnastic type moves. You're like that is not Gina Davis, that cl- you know, clumsy person who was in the sword scenes. And speaking of the state of the sword fight discussion that's happening, Matthew Modine slips down below to kind of go get the treasure. Gina Davis slips down to go start powdering kegs to try to blow up the ship. The fight could use the two best fighters Probably on the ship. You guys there. One's a doctor. People could use your ass. Uh, then we have a bald guy fight. The two the two bad bald guys. The bad yeah. bald second in command and the good bald second exactly. in command. Exactly. They everyone, have a fight. Everyone matches up with their equal. And they have a steering wheel fight where they're fighting at the I don't know what you call it, the pirate steering wheel. Yes. They do the most improbable death scene in this. <laughs> I know it's amazing, isn't it? He shoves his head in the thing and just crunches his <laughs> crunches his head off. I think, I but you don't see it because it's PG thirteen. Exactly. Uh, Trotter somehow saves the day. Why he does d- Trotter? Oh, who knows? He, he kills one of his own fucking men. Well, he just decides. You know what? The the military not a good deal. Seems like pirating is a better deal. I'm totally jumping ship with these pirates. So he just aligns with the pirates. Morgan and Dog start a big fight yeah. where they, for some reason, they're in the middle of this fight and then they're just like, let's climb up to the top because yeah. they're just, they're, they're, no one's chasing anyone. No. They're just climbing right alongside each other. They climb to the top of the ship and they're like, it would be cooler if we had the fight up here. So they just start having the sword fight up on top of the and ship. And this is where you see that it's not Gina Davis oh and God. not Frank Langella oh fighting. I mean, they don't, they don't make any bones about not caring about that. And this also ends in another fake-looking falling scene. Oh, she falls this right is the worst. through. She falls right to the, not even just to the deck, but she falls below deck, right on her back, and just pops right up. She's fine. She falls forty feet on like, I guess they were carrying a cargo of pillows. Yeah, because she she just rolls off. It's like, ugh. She just pops right. I know. She this is right, almost as bad as that bullet I took. Right on her spine. <laughs> that didn't bother me at all. Just her spine. Uh, she finds Matthew Modine. He's almost drowning. Yeah, he's almost drowning. He's got a rat on his head. She's able to uh, free him. There's this weird thing where, like, there's fire going on behind them, but it looks like those fires where, like, 
during Christmas time where you just put one on your TV. You go to, you go to <laughs> they the had Yule log you sets. Go to the Yule log channel. <laughs> like that's how it looked. There was these two screens. And you're like, that's just a screen with a fake fire. Like you couldn't afford real fucking fire. Fire is free. You just need flint and steel for fuck's sake. So it comes down to uh, Dog seems to have her trapped. Right. Uh, what's she going to do? And she's... and Dog, as we've set up, he can smell any trap that's set up for him. Oh, yeah. He, he knows when something's a ruse. He knows how to trap people. Ten he steps ahead to be the entire The film. entire movie. Uh, and suddenly she just produces a cannon and says, Bad Dog. And shoots him. She you just can't recognize a cannon under a blanket. It's under a blanket. And she just rips off the blanket and is like, kaboom, you're dead. She and he, says, bad dog. Bad dog. And he explodes out the back of the ship. You've been saying how along how like the fa- death of her father was no revenge. I think bad dog really encapsulated oh, yeah. that her uncle murdered his two brothers. <laughs> one was his father. Tried to hit on her. Tried to murder her several times. Bad dog. Yeah, no. The punishment. The pathos in bad dog. <laughs> yeah. I just wrote Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so bad. So she saves Matthew Modine. You couldn't get. They like, run up to the. Sorry. You couldn't give like a dog's all she wrote. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yippee K mother pupper. Everything is like first, first, first one that comes in your head. We're rolling with that. Bad dog. Bad dog. The ship is about to explode. A Modine or a Shaw and Morgan kind of drag each other up to the very top of the ship. They both are right as it is about to explode. They jump into the water, but do they just jump into the goddamn water because they're both such like physically unimpressive? No. They leap in the <laughs> perfect swan dive at the exact same time. It is a synchronized swan dive leap with their <laughs> arms stretched all the way out and their back bowed, and they hit the water in perfect form. As the entire ship just kablooies. <laughs> But yeah, they jump right in, and don't worry, they're both fine, and they got the treasure, because that's all we really cared about, was seeing these pieces of shit get their fucking gold. Right. She lays out all the treasure before the crew, and is like, look at all, I got it, I I promised you everything. That treasure changes from one crate to four crates to a pile. Now it's just like, it covers the entire deck of the ship, and I mean, it's just all gold, all diamonds, she's like, you guys are all rich, if you want to leave, you can leave. I didn't get this ending. But she's like... What I want to do is just sail down to Madagascar and do some more pirating and get more treasure and <laughs> add to our pile. And Everybody. they're all kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And she's like, what, what, what? No one wants to go try it. And they're like, oh, of course we do. <laughs> like at the end of this whole thing where her father was murdered in the first scene, she gets what she wants, which is just the gold. And then she's like, should we just go on raping and pillaging for no reason? <laughs> yes. Happy ending. The dialogue goes like this. Where to? Madagascar. But that's in Africa. Then we best get going. <laughs> Raucous laughter for some fucking Raucous reason. Laugh. That's not funny. That's not a joke. That's, that's just... nothing. It's just words. And yet the crew, the crew and you as the audience are supposed to go, oh, oh. wit. They, again, the ending is they just sail off to like steal more treasure. Yeah. And like this wasn't stealing treasure because technically it's like her family. This is I don't think we mentioned, but it's supposed to be her grandfather's treasure. That's right. Who, because her grandfather was a psychopath, split the treasure, put it into three pieces, and handed one King Lear style to each of the each of his three sons, and was like, "This will have no repercussions." (laughs) Uh, I'm a pirate. My kids are good. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've raised honorable children. So that's the end of the movie, which is insane because you're kind of like, how did this not end like a half hour ago? But they needed some kind of big nonsensical action scene. 
really for no reason. And that is your movie. It's called Cutthroat Island. Corky, anything to say about Cutthroat Island before uh, we wrap it up? There's one thing I disagreed on. I thought there were several composed, uh, nicely composed shots. I thought the cinematography was actually okay in several instances. Like you get shots when they're in inlet, when the pirates are moored inlet. The, there's actual pirate ships floating out in the bay. There's people f- riding in. There's gendarmes on the beach, and then there's people talking in the front of the shot. There's some good composed shots, and I think this would be interesting to see on the big screen. I didn't see it on the big screen. You did. There's I will no, defer to your opinion. No difference. There's some of the raw materials for a good movie are there, and in fact, it's kind of interesting to see how much Pirates of the Caribbean kind of like how similar this movie is in a lot of ways yeah. to it. And I don't really love the Pirates of the Caribbean films, but I definitely think Gore Verbinski is a lot better better at integrating special effects and action and story and things like that. And, and Rennie Harlan, obviously, is not. But like you say, $120 million, you better have a couple of good-looking shots. You better buy one really yeah. nice ship or something like that. But really, like the, it's made with no energy. It's made with no passion. It's made with no imagination. There's no reason for this movie to exist. There's no reason for you to care about it. No. There's no reason for you to watch it. It's not... It, it's it's a completely empty, empty experience. And I will say that I dislike this movie more now, knowing that it sacrificed the Paul Verhoeven NC-17 pirate movie we could have had, the Anne Bonny biopic we could have had. Or the NC-17 Crusades movie. I mean, yeah. come the freak on, Hollywood. Get your shit together. So anyway, that is Cutthroat Island. Let's wrap it up and give it our ratings. Uh, just to remind you, a dare is your run-of-the-mill bad film. The double dare is your next-level bad film, your reverse dare is a movie that we actually thought was pretty good. Corky, what do you give Cutthroat Island? I will say I was coming in here going to give it a dare, but in talking it through, it's it's double dare material. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of King Arthur where there's really no stuff. It's just running to this place, to running to that place, running to that place. Right. They sacrifice all the character and story just for set pieces, explosions, and booms. Yeah. Uh, not worth it on the small screen, not worth it at home. Stay away. Double dare. Yeah, I agree. Double dare as well. Um, shit, I was going to respond. What did you... King Arthur. Yeah. Yeah, I give it a double dare as well. I think uh, I, I agree the comparison to King Arthur is apt. It's just King Arthur was made with a level of competence sure. that doesn't exist in this movie. It's just crazy how how cheap everything feels, despite the fact that it's obviously a very lavish production. It's <laughs> just, just fuck this movie. Anyway, <laughs> so we're both going to give a double dare to Cutthroat Island. That is all we have for you. Oh, also, King Arthur, episode six. Check it out. Yeah, episode six. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back next week to review another one of your movie dares. In the meantime, check out our Thursday mini episode for a preview of the next Dare Daniel review, as well as more talk about your dares and movies in general. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. Be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. And you could read my craft beer column in the Sacramento Bee and at sacbee.com. Corky. Yes. Mitty. Where can people find you talking like a pirate? You vasty swabs, you can find me at Port Royal, Jamaica, performing for Buccaneers and Pirates of Rum. <laughs> Yo ho ho. Pieces I'll of be eight. doing the Dead Man's Dance. David Jones Locker. I've run out. That's it. That's all I got. Captain Blood. <laughs> so for Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Blackbeat Flores. <laughs> and I'm Corky McDowell saying, I must visit that shop sometime later when I have time. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>